Hi, everybody. It's John Dickerson. Welcome or welcome back to the Connection Point podcast. At the end of this episode, I'd encourage you to take a moment and check out cp.news on your web browser. Connection Point is a church that is fully online, and you can follow Jesus one day at a time from anywhere in the world with us. Well, I pray this message inspires you and challenges you today to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Now, well, we're kicking off today a series called Done With That. Now, do you know this feeling like uh, maybe this has happened to me before. I'm out of town for a while or I'm on vacation and I get back and I see my closet and it's gotten like really pack ratty and really sloppy. And it took me being gone for a little while and staying at a clean hotel or something. And then I get back and I look at my own mess, not my kids or Mel, but mine. And I'm like, whoa, I've got to clean this up. Anyone know that feeling? Or maybe it's your garage. This is about that time of year that pretty soon it's like spring cleaning is due for the garage. You know that feeling? And we all have that at different times. And, you know, sometimes we're able to act on it right away and like be done with that. Other times in our lives, it gets more complicated and we have that feeling, I should stop smoking or I should stop losing my temper. I should stop overspending or I should, you know, stop looking at those things on a screen. It makes me a a less good person. And we have that same feeling. We try to act on it, but we don't, you know, it's not as easy as cleaning a garage I had this boss, my first job out of college, I had studied journalism for my undergrad. So I was at this little newspaper in Scottsdale, Arizona. And my boss, he was this really like clean cut, uh, self-disciplined, organized, go-getter guy. And one day I was actually doing a story about drug addiction and he was saying, John, um, smoking cigarettes is harder to quit Uh, some studies have found, than quitting cocaine or other drugs. And I said, you gotta be kidding me. He said, no, I was a smoker in college. I said, Steve, I never would have pegged you for a smoker. I just, you don't seem like you fit the profile. How did you quit? And he was like, well, you know, I, I graduated from college and I started my job and one day I just decided like, I'm done with that. I'm done with smoking. And he just quit cold turkey. And I was like, Steve, you're like a mutant. You're like a weirdo. I mean, everyone else I know who's tried to quit that particular thing has had a major struggle with it. I've got things that I'm still trying to quit. For example, because I used to work in the news industry, it used to be my job when I wasn't out reporting on the news to read the news. So if I don't put a a monitor on myself, I will easily read like two, three, four hours of news in a day. My brain just loves knowing what's going on in the world. And I remember this time in my life where I realized like, this is way too much time. It's not my job anymore. I've gotta be done with that. I remember my son, Jack, when he was in second and third grade, every time we would take a picture, even if it was a very serious picture, he would do this thing called dabbing. I I still don't know how to do it. Something like this, I guess. (laughs) Like every time we would take a picture. And then all of a sudden, one day we took a picture and he didn't dab. And I was like, why, why aren't you dabbing? He's like, dad, I'm done with that. Just done with that. He moved on. I wonder in your life, what do you want to be done with? If you could pick something right now to be done with, maybe you know it's a sin or maybe it's just a habit or maybe it's a quirk, uh, something that's affecting your relationships, maybe it's affecting your sleep, something that's like, if I could get that thing out of my life, I'd love to be done with that. And I want to invite you in this series 
to have a fresh encounter with God. I wanna invite you to believe with fresh new belief that even though you've probably tried to be done with that and failed, God does have the power to help you be done with that. And if you'll join us this week and the next four weeks, I believe that you will see God work in a supernatural way in that area of your life. I'm not saying it won't ever be a struggle anymore, but I'm saying this, you can see victory like you've never seen before if you'll invite God into the thing you wanna be done with. So right now, if you could pick one thing, one sin, one struggle, one thing to be done with, just between you and God, no one else knows, what would it be? Here's what scripture tells us about the things we long to be done with. 2 Corinthians 5, God says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, so notice this says if, meaning if you've had a moment in your life where you acknowledged, God, I'm a sinner, I need your forgiveness, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me, that moment of salvation where you repent or turn away from self-dependence and you call out to Jesus, not just for a little help in the moment, but to be your Lord, your Savior, your God. If you're in Christ Jesus, then the moment that spiritual transfer happens, you become a new creation internally. Where the old nature couldn't say no to sin, the new nature in Christ can say no to sin. The old has gone, the new has come. Now, that is 100% true. And yet, the struggle that we're hitting head-on in this series is what Paul talks about in Romans 6. And I'm not going to dive deep into that today, but Paul, one of the most spiritual, transformed people in the Bible, who was transformed from a, a murderer and this hateful person to this gentle, spirit-led, but powerful man of God, says, the things I don't want to do, I do. And the things that I know I should do, Sometimes I don't do. And what Paul's describing is this reality that until we get home to heaven, there's a civil war inside of each one of us. You have a new nature as a follower of Jesus, but you're in a world that's still full of temptation and there are remnants of your old nature. And every day we're deciding, am I gonna live the new life or the old life? And for each of us, those things we want to be done with are usually the front line of this battle between the old nature and the new nature. Now, a few things you should know for sure about your salvation. If you've believed in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, not something you earn, not something you pay for or achieve, but something you receive by believing in Jesus and then you show that by being baptized, you should know there are a few things that are gone for good. I'm not gonna unpack them, but in summary, here they are. Being separated from God. You were separated from God by your sin, but now that you've believed in Jesus, you're not anymore. Hopelessness is gone. As a follower of Jesus, there's always hope. And even if the struggle that you're in feels hopeless, look up above your capacity. Look up above your own self-control. Look to Jesus. It's never hopeless as a follower of Jesus. The penalty for sin, which meant that we couldn't be in heaven with God for eternity, that penalty is gone. It was nailed to the cross. Slavery to sin. The reality that before we trust in Jesus, each of us have different inclinations based on our DNA and our upbringing, but there are certain sins for each of us that are different that without Jesus, you just can't say no to that thing. And maybe you're here and you need to know for sure today that you have received Jesus in a way that makes you no longer a slave to sin. Eternal death. The fact that apart from Jesus, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So these are guaranteed. 
These don't depend on your performance or how well you're doing. But here's what's not gone. Until you and I get home to heaven, we will each still have some remnants of that old sin nature and the root sin underneath them all is a thing that God calls pride. Pride is not a healthy self-confidence. That's how our culture uses the word now. But pride in the Bible is this idea that I know better than God. Yeah, maybe God said that thing's off limits, but God doesn't see it the way I see it. I maybe see some things he doesn't. Pride is putting myself above God or above others. Our blind spots, we're gonna talk about this today. That's why I titled this message, I don't have a blind spot, you do. Because <laughs> that's, that's our human nature, right? That's not gone. After you trust in Jesus, you still have blind spots. Get this, you can be a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is alive, you can even be studying the Bible and growing, you know what's not gone? You still have the ability to make choices, harmful choices, that will destroy your relationships with the people you love the most. You still have that ability. You still have the ability to destroy your legacy. That at the end of your life, you could make a choice or something could come out about you and it totally changes the way people see you. Temptation, that's not gone. All of us are still tempted by sin. Now this week and the next four, we're gonna give you the tools to live the new life. And this series is based on scripture but we're gonna use a book to guide us through it, and the book is called Done With That. This book is written by a mentor of mine, a pastor named Bob Merritt. Uh, he'll join us for some of the week's teaching this. It's incredible content. So I'd encourage you, uh, if you really wanna go deep on this, grab a copy out at the book table in the lobby. Uh, if you would prefer to listen to a book, I've got the physical copy, but I've also got it on my phone on the Audible app, and it's got a great narrator. You can listen to it as well. Well, the other week I was visiting my brother and his daughter, who's now a senior in high school, um, we were all hanging out as a family and she was there and her boyfriend was there. And afterwards I thought, high school kids these days are so stinking cool. They're like adults. Like I was not that way in high school. I was a total nerd. I was the goofiest, nerdiest kid. Uh, in fact, here's what I looked like. If you wanna know what I looked like in high school, I looked like this. <laughs> Truly, I did. And if you're not familiar, this uh, is a character named Lloyd in a really sophisticated Christian film <laughs> titled Dumb and Dumber. And uh, the film, as you would guess, I guess, is not sophisticated or Christian, is very dumb, but it was responsible in my high school years for a lot of laughs. I think my buddies and I had the whole thing memorized. One day in high school, so it was the summer between my junior and senior year, I was out with my friends. We were driving around town, and I had my big, goofy grin hanging out the side of the window. I think one of our friends was driving next to us. Yeah, that happened. I got the chipped tooth, and I did it to myself. I'm like grinning out the window and I accidentally hit the power window switch and it, no joke, true story. I, I knew it hurt, but I didn't know how terrible it looked. And then my buddy looks at me and he just starts laughing. <laughs> like, John, you gotta, you gotta look at yourself, man. You know, like bad breath or if you have a chipped tooth and you don't know it, uh, the thing you most need to be done with might be something that everyone around you is very aware of and you're not as aware of it. Uh, and that's why I'd encourage you, just ask God to show you what you need to be done with. 
I want you to think of three different kinds of blind spots. And I'm not asking you to pick three things to be done with. Start with one. But these three different kinds of blind spots will hopefully kind of stir the waters to help you settle on one thing that you want to decide over these next five weeks. That's what I'm going to be done with. Maybe it's something you don't even know. If you get to the end of this message and you're like, yeah, there's nothing I need to work on, ask your spouse, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, or your kids, and they will let you know what you need to be done with. I think what's probably for most of us, the blind spot we'll pick is this second one. We know it, but we minimize it. That is, I know I shouldn't be overspending, but it's gonna be okay. Or I know I shouldn't be looking at that stuff. Or I know I've got a problem with resentment or, or, or with greed or whatever it is. You, you kind of know it, but you convince yourself that the consequences aren't gonna be that bad. That's most likely the blind spot that you're gonna wanna work on over these next five weeks. For others of you, you know it, but you blame others for it. You know, I mean, if I hadn't gone through that thing, I wouldn't be using this substance so much. I know I've got an anger problem, but my dad had an anger problem. My whole family has an anger problem. That's just the way we are. And maybe your blind spot's in that third category, and God's gonna use this series to not only change your life, but to break that cycle, that generational pattern in your family that God wants to break. You know, the universal temptation for all of us is to think this, it'll be okay if I never get this thing under control. And that's a lot like our kids as they grow up, right? If, if my 12-year-old was still, as a fully healthy young man, wearing diapers, because he never chose to be done with them, would I still love him? Yes, I would but his life would be a little weird. And it's the same with how God feels about you in the area that the Holy Spirit right now is starting to tug on your heart. God, yeah, he loves you, but he wants you to grow up through that. He's got better things for you. And the reality is if, if, we, if we continue to minimize it and say, oh, everything will be okay if I don't get this under control, we, what we don't realize is we're giving up a whole bunch of things on the other side of that. We're losing opportunities in our careers and in our families because we're thinking, oh, this chipped tooth is no big deal. In fact, I just want you for a moment to imagine four and a half years ago when you all invited me here to be your lead pastor and the elders had done a big nationwide search and, and then they introduced, here's the candidate, here's who we believe is God's next pastor for Connection Point. Uh, and I just want you to imagine that at that point in my life, I was like, you know, um, I know my identity's in God. I don't really need to fix this tooth from high school. Um, and that would be true, right? And you guys are all so loving. You would have embraced me if I had never fixed my tooth. I know that appearances aren't everything, but I just, I, I had our team put together what it might've looked like on my, <laughs> my first Sunday here. And I just put that up as a visual, like this is what we do, right? It, when we say, oh, I know that thing is in my life, but it's not that big a deal. Other people don't see it. Guess what? It does affect them. They do see it, maybe not directly, but indirectly. Um, and it will change the trajectory of your life if you don't deal with it. And that's why God wants you to deal with it. Again, I know you guys all would have loved me and embraced me, but lucky for you, I know I'm not the world's prettiest person, but I, I did go to a dentist and, and get it fixed. So you, you don't have to look at that every week. Most of us in this series, I think we know the thing we need 
to work on. And I just wonder right now if you'd do something, if just between you and God, with no one else looking, just you and your heart, open your heart to God, invite him to reveal that thing, invite him to give you a, a willpower, not that you need to fix it on your own, but to say, this five-week series, I'm all in to see God work in that area of my life. God, I'm asking you to do a miracle here. I'm asking you to help me. I know, you guys, that we've got things we've tried to be done with and we've failed and it's almost like you don't even wanna try anymore because you're scared to fail, but this is your chance in this series to really bring that thing to God, just you and God, and say, Holy Spirit, I need you to work in this area. Show me what to do. You know, one of my blind spots uh, in my life has been my pride uh, and specifically in my marriage you know, pride in my marriage expressed itself through arrogance and over self-confidence and just a, a reducing of Mel's opinion and value. And it took me probably seven or eight years into marriage to actually realize I have a major pride problem that will destroy my wife and my marriage unless I allow God to humble me and to make me more like Christ in how I love my wife. I wonder... What are you ready to be done with? What do you need to be done with? And in this series, we're gonna answer questions like, how can you be done with something that you keep falling back into? How can you be done with something that you can't quit? Well, I wonder if you've ever had this happen. Have you ever been backing up in your car and uh, you hit something, or maybe this has happened to someone else in your family? You'll see cars like this as you're driving around. Because all of our cars have, when you look in the rearview mirrors, this area called the blind spot or the blind zone. And in your life, if you choose to just not deal with your blind spot or your blind zone, it's gonna start to scrape you up in some ways. It will start to affect your career. And you'll probably be the last person to understand, but maybe all your coworkers, your bosses might be meeting this week and be like, man, she'd be perfect for the promotion, but you know, she'll never let go of stuff that doesn't go her way. Or he always loses his temper when things get heated. And a lot of times your blind spots, they're holding you back and you don't even know it. The people around you see these scrapes a lot more than you do. Other times, if you don't deal with your blind spot behavior, it'll scrape up your peace or it'll scrape up your legacy. When you think of people like Bill Cosby, who was known his entire life, this career of like making really family-friendly TV shows and helping people and being a positive role model, and then this thing comes out of this blind spot of lust that he had never dealt with, and it has destroyed his legacy. You know, that's not all. When a car gets scraped or dented like this because of the blind spot, it always ran into something else, too. There's something else, if you see a car scrape like this, there's something else that has some of that paint on it. And when you and I minimize our blind spots and we say, ah, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I, I don't, it's too hard to go there. What we don't realize is we're scraping up other people as well. In 2005, I was working as a newspaper journalist and my editor assigned me a story on uh, tragically what's known as back over deaths. Uh, I was assigned to interview this lady who is a national advocate. She had lost a child to a back over death. And I learned in the process that every month about 50 kids in the United States um, get backed over and, and, and often it's fatal. 
And many people don't even know that this is a thing that can happen. And so then when it does, it's just incredibly heartbreaking and destroys these families. This woman I interviewed, she was actually lobbying Congress to make rearview backup cameras uh, a required um, accessory on trucks and vans and SUVs. And they are a lot more common now than they were then. I learned some of the physics of what's in your blind zone. That every vehicle behind it has an area that, unless you've got a backup camera, it doesn't matter how much you check your mirrors, there's just an area that you cannot see. I had no idea before writing this, uh, and then as soon as I did that story, I mean, I'm paranoid now. I'm paranoid about so many things from being a journalist because I've, I've seen the other side of them. And so uh, all our vehicles now, uh, if it doesn't come with a backup camera, I'll get an aftermarket one. And if I'm driving someone else's vehicle and it doesn't have one, I'll usually walk around the back because of this story. Here's a few of the things that I learned as I sat in living rooms with families that had been through this tragedy. And I want you to think of the implications of the blind spots in your life. First thing I learned was this. It's usually people's own kids and closest friends who are the victims of backovers. And I want you to think about that for your blind spot. Whether it's lust, whether it's greed, whether it's anger, whether it's alcohol, maybe it's resentment, maybe it's gossip. You realize that gossip in scripture is just as serious of a sin as all those other things I mentioned. It destroys. Whatever your blind spot is, the people who are most likely to be destroyed by it are the people who are closest to you, the people who you love the most. Second thing I learned while doing that story was that these blind spot backover deaths, they usually occur when people are in a hurry. One family, they were out camping, and the dad just thought, I'm just gonna hop in the truck and just move the truck a few feet, just in a hurry. And you know, I, I know right now there's a battle going on for people online, over in the chapel, here in this room. You know the thing you need to work on, but there's another part of you that's saying, I don't have time. I don't have time to open that thing up. It'll be so messy, it'll be so difficult. I just don't have time to deal with it. If you fall for that lie, it's the people closest to you who are gonna end up being hurt by it. In fact, if you're having that struggle right now, that tells you this is a blind spot area you really need to work on. Back over deaths happen when people are moving too quickly. Other thing I learned is that the bigger a vehicle is, the bigger the blind spot is. So a taller truck will have a blind spot that's much larger than a really small economy car. Every inch you go higher, your blind spot goes feet longer behind you. And the same is true as God gives you more responsibility in life. You know, when you're a single person and no one else is depending on you, your blind spots aren't gonna affect as many people, but that's the time to start working on them because as you have more people depending on you at work, more people depending on you at home, the more people who depend on you, I go over this with my 12-year-old son at bedtime, with privilege comes responsibility. The bigger your life gets, the bigger your blind spots become and the more dangerous they are for others. Anytime we give in to the sinful nature in our blind spots, something dies. Paul put it this way in Romans 8. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. That was Satan's original lie to Adam and Eve was, oh, I know God said you can't do that, but God's holding out on you. You can do it and the consequences won't be as bad as he says. Whenever sin boils out of me, something dies a little. 
If I get angry and say hurtful things, a relationship dies a little. If you give in to impulse spending, your financial stability dies a little. If you get drunk several times in a month, all kinds of things are gonna die. Your judgment, your work, your health, your friendships, your family. If you don't filter what you allow yourself to watch or view, your ability to be productive will start to die and maybe your ability to resist temptation will start to die. If you're self-centered and you just live to accumulate things for yourself, your generosity will die and on goes the list. And so how can you experience God's help to be done with whatever it is that the Spirit of God is putting on your heart right now? Well, in the first four chapters of this book, I'm kind of covering chapters one through four today, there's one theme that spoke to me the loudest, and it's this verse from the Word of God, James 4, verse 6. It says, God opposes the proud. Really, as I reflected on my life and asked the Holy Spirit to work in me about this material, I realized that under every sin struggle, under every blind spot that I want to minimize and say it's not that big a deal, is my pride saying, I know better than God, or I know better than Mel, I can be the master of my life and everything will turn out fine. Humility, in contrast, humility before God is like that backup camera. It allows you to see things you wouldn't otherwise see and then it allows God to heal those things. In his book, Humility, C.J. Mahoney put it this way, God's opposition to pride is an immediate and constant activity. The proud will not indefinitely escape discipline. In other words, this guy's talking about the grammar of that that verse in James, God opposes the proud. And really what the verse is saying is, just like God made gravity on earth so that anytime you hold out a brick, it falls, anytime God meets pride, he opposes it. Now he can still love you, but he's gonna oppose the pride in you. And all of us who had spirited toddlers, we know what this is like. I still love them, but I oppose the pride in them. I've had times with uh, some of ours when they were toddlers that literally they're like trying to hit and bite and everything. You just have to bear hug them until your strength outdoes their strength and they run out of energy and you're opposing their pride while loving them. God will always oppose pride, even in the people who he loves. This is how God always responds to pride. On the flip side, look at the second half of the verse. God shows favor or grace, which is undeserved favor, to the humble. So whether God's opposing your efforts in your life right now or favoring your efforts in your life right now have everything to do with your heart, your posture before God. Here's the big idea for part one of this series, humility before God. If you will humble yourself before the Lord, it will allow you to see and solve your most destructive blind spots. Things you would never see Like that pride I mentioned in in my relationship with Mel took me seven or eight years. If it was not for Jesus in my life, I still wouldn't see it. Because it's just like, well, that's just my opinion. Why, you know, why are you hurt? Why is it such a big deal? It's my opinion. And I was just arrogant. I was careless. I was callous. And if it wasn't for the work of God in my life, and you know what? I'm standing up here telling you, I know there's other things I still don't see yet. And I've got to keep walking with Jesus. I hope what you hear in this series is not like, oh, if you've got a blind spot issue, you're a really terrible person. We've all got them. In fact, we're about to see the only people who should really be worried are the ones who don't realize they have them. 
We've all got them. In fact, I would go so far as to, to wager, to guess that probably your thing, whether it's lust, spending, eating, whatever it is, resentment, fill in the blank, your thing is probably one of the top 10, which means as you look around this room, our movement of thousands of people, one out of 10 people also shares your same struggle. You're not alone in, in trying to quit that thing. We're all trying to keep growing. And as we keep Jesus, the Lord of our lives, humility before God says, God, if you say it's off limits, I believe you. I was going over this last night with my, my girls because they're younger and they love puppies. And we were just talking about when you love a puppy, you, you let it do certain things, but you don't let it go play in the road. Because you love it, you have to say, no, no, the road is off limits. And God tells us certain things are off limits and we'll test it and we'll be like, well, I got away with it. I played in the road a little, I didn't die. Maybe I'll play in the road a little bit more. And God says in love, don't do that. It will end up causing death in your life. Humility before God says, God, I want to play in the road so bad. I feel like I can get away with it. But if you say not to, I'm going to submit to you. And then as you do that, he starts to open your eyes and you realize, whoa, that's where playing in the road would have led. Or he gives you the strength to say no to that thing. This is the good news of Jesus, that you are a new creation in Christ. So now you can submit yourself to him. You can humble yourself before him and you can see him work in your life. In this book, Done With That, Bob Merritt quotes C.S. Lewis. I wanna read this quote to you. When a man or a person is getting better, he understands more and more clearly that evil is still left in him. But when a man is getting worse, he understands his own badness less and less. A moderately bad man knows he's not very good, but a thoroughly bad man thinks he's all right. Isn't that true? It's kind of profound, but it's true. We see it in world events right now. There's a dictator in the world who's like, hey, I can do whatever I want. And he has you know, no calculation of how it's affecting other people. And then Lewis says, this is common sense, really. I would call it profound common sense. He says this, I, let me just ask you these, true or false. You understand sleep the best when you're awake, not while you're sleeping, true. You can see mistakes in arithmetic or math when your mind is working properly. While you're making that mistake on the math problem, you don't see it. Also true. You can understand the nature of drunkenness when you're sober, not while you're drunk. True or false? True. And then he builds to this. Good people know about both good and evil. Bad people do not know about either. So if you're here and you're like, man, John, there is a big struggle. I don't think I can do it. You're actually on the right track. The only reason to be down on yourself or discouraged is if you're like, yeah, I got nothing I need to work on. Okay, all of us who have something we need to work on, that's a sign that we're moving in the right direction. We're getting closer to God. And just like as you get closer to a bright light, you can see more stains on your clothes and more imperfections. The closer you get to God, this side of heaven, you'll always see something else. You're like, whoa, I didn't even realize that was there. But then you see God work in that area and you keep growing closer to him. Very quickly, gonna give you four reasons why you should choose humility before God today. I'm not gonna unpack these, but just breeze through them. First one, without humility, you cannot see your own blind spots. Apart from a significant, consistent humility, which by the way, 
you're, you're demonstrating that by being here or by being online and really paying attention. You're saying, I wanna submit myself to the word of God and that's why the spirit of God is working in you. Without humility, you can't see your own blind spots. Without humility, we're all walking around like Lloyd from Dumb and Dumber or me in high school. We're all walking around with giant big buck teeth that are chipped and with unzipped zippers and you know, toilet paper from the bathroom stuck on our shoes dragging around. That's what we look like apart from humility before God. Without humility, second, you can't see how destructive your blind spots are. That argument that you have in your mind and that I have that says, yeah, I know, but I've got it under control. I know, but it's not that big a deal. That is actually pride that minimizes the consequences. Yeah, I know God says gossip is a sin, but you know, it's just the way, it's how, you know, I wasn't gossiping. I was just saying what I thought maybe that's probably why he did that. And you're, you're minimizing that God says this is sin and it destroys. Third, without humility, you'll never stop blaming others for your blind spot behavior. And I know this is particularly hard with things like resentment, things where people have wronged you. And again, apart from God, when someone wrongs us, it defines us. But in God, we have through Jesus, a savior who was wronged more than will ever be who can help us deal with that. Because if you allow resentment to keep building in your blind spot, guess what? That person who wronged you, your resentment isn't making their life worse. It's only making your life worse. Fourth, without humility, you're not gonna see God fix your blind spots in this life. Uh, even if you're a follower of Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5 says that after we die, this body's called a tent, God likens it to a tent, it'll wear out. You're gonna wake up in heaven in a glorified body if you've placed your faith in Jesus. Then all your blind spots are gonna be fixed. But until then, you can be a person who loves Jesus and goes to church and reads the Bible and you're isolating your whole family because of some behavior uh, in your blind spot, your anger or the fact that you never let things go uh, or fill in the blank with something else. But with humility before God, you can see him in this life work in that area so you get less scraped up and the people around you are less likely to get run over. Same four points stated more positively. I'm just reversing them here with humility before God. You can see your own blind spots. So, you know, take heart, be encouraged. Secondly, you can realize how destructive those blind spots are. You might not feel it, but if the word of God says it, you just say, I submit to the word of God. If he says, do not be drunk with wine, I'm not gonna be drunk with wine. If he says, flee youthful lusts, I'm gonna flee youthful lusts. What God says, I will do because I'm submitting to him. Third, you're gonna stop blaming others for your behavior the more you humble yourself before God. Personal accountability is a theme from Adam and Eve to the book of Revelation. God holds each one of us accountable for our own choices and behavior most encouraging, number four, if you will choose humility before God, you will see him work in your blind spots. I could tell you so many victory stories about this from our church. I just wanna encourage you, whatever your sin struggle or habit or quirk, whatever area you wanna be done with that, I can guarantee you there are people in our church who have seen God work in that area. I think of one family in particular, I'm gonna leave them anonymous, but this is a family and this story started seven or eight years ago 
um, where the dad got caught up in sexual lust. I mean, it is everywhere in our culture. And he became so addicted to it that it was affecting his career. It was affecting his marriage. And it got to the point that he actually had to go away for inpatient treatment for a number of months. But the beautiful part of the story is he had the humility to say, I'm not just gonna keep saying, oh, I can fix this, I can get this under control. I'm gonna go get help, and he did. And just like all of us, I'm sure that's still a struggle for him, but now it's years later. And that marriage that would have died as a result of that thing is alive because that wife was patient and loving and forgiving. And she acknowledged, I got things I gotta work on as well. And those kids are healthy and that family is together and his career is thriving again. And I just wanna encourage you, whether it's anger, alcohol, resentment, whatever it is that you're saying, God, I really wanna be done with that. You're not alone in it. It's very normal. And you're sitting in a room, you're part of a movement where other people have seen God bring victory in that thing. But the key to that victory is this humility before God. So question, how do you get that humility? How do you get that humility? Well, James tells us in the very next verse, James 4 verse 7, he says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So submit is a, a choice. Submitting is when I don't want to say yes to my superior or God in this case, but I'm going to intentionally put my will underneath them. And what scripture shows and tells to us is this, you either choose to humble yourself or your consequences will force humility onto you. Humility's gonna come one way or another. And I know it, it, it hurts in the moment to humble yourself to God and say, God, I'm gonna open this area for you to work on. But believe it or not, that's a lot less painful than allowing the blind spot to keep growing and growing and eventually you can't hide it anymore and it humbles you. So question, do you really wanna see God work? If so, I'm just gonna give you three steps today. First, be here every week, these next four weeks following this. If you've got spring break travel planned, just make sure that you, you, know, you watch it. If you need to be alone somewhere with headphones on, um, make sure you don't miss any one of these messages. If you really wanna see God work, I'd encourage you to get the Done With That book. It's available out in the lobby. If you're online, you can text the word done to us. Third thing I wanna mention is this, post a milestone reminder. And I give you this one out of my own experience. I'll have times in my life where I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna be done with that thing. And I'll get real motivated about it. And then life gets busy and things keep moving and like two months go by and it's like, oh, I, I'm not done with that thing after all. I remember saying I was gonna be done with it, but I'm not done with it. Anyone relate? Anyone relate to that? So uh, if that's you, which I think is all of us if we're honest, uh, we've got these cards, these done with that cards that are out at the book table in the lobby. Uh, and we've put a visual up here. That's not my bathroom mirror. I wish it was, it looks pretty cool. But that's someone else's bathroom mirror. But the idea is this. If, if the Holy Spirit's working on you, I'd encourage you to grab one of those cards today uh, and, and maybe you put it on the dashboard of your car. Maybe you put it on your desk at work. Maybe you put it on your mirror where you get ready in the morning and put this up as a, a milestone or a memento so that three weeks from now when you're thinking about other stuff, you see that and it's this reminder for the Holy Spirit to bring back the things that you've learned today 
and that you're gonna continue to learn. Now, I've got a word here for spouses and parents. If you walk into your teenager's room and this is on their mirror, do not pry, okay? Every person has a one-on-one relationship with God. Don't shut down. People have shame, people have guilt, people have awkwardness. Let a person be on their journey with God. Same for husbands and wives. You see this on your spouse's mirror? Do not corner them in the bathroom and be like, tell me what it's all about. You're not leaving me here until I know everything, right? Please, for your sake, for your spouse's sake, don't, don't do that because here's the thing. If we think, oh, the people in my house, they've all got stuff they need to work on, but all I gotta do is keep being me, what's that? That's that sneaky pride we're talking about. The, the beauty of the body of Christ when it's healthy is that we all have a humility that we're all broken sinners. And, and no one sin is particularly worse spiritually. They have different consequences in this life. So we show grace to each other. And I mentioned the, the pride I've seen in myself as Mel and I have grown together. There's things that she would tell you about herself. And what has really become beautiful in our marriage is that we don't, we don't shame each other. We're both secure enough in who we are in God to say, um, yeah, I do see that in you, but don't give up. You're beautiful in God's eyes. God's got a plan for you. I've got things I'm working on too. Let's both keep just submitting to God and letting him grow each of us. That's the kind of families we want to have. That's the kind of church we want to have that we're all growing together. So final question, will you choose humility before God? Will you invite him to help you be done with that? I hope at this point you feel like if you've got a thing you want to be done with, you're not an outlier, you're not a weirdo, you're normal and you're honest. Um, And if you don't yet have a thing, as I mentioned before, just ask someone you live with and they'll let you know what your blind spot is. Let me pray for you here, Father. Lord, I thank you that when we were lost in our sins, slaves to sin, we couldn't even see how destructive our sin is that you came down into our earth and you carried the penalty for our sins so that you could set us free. God, I pray for anyone who's listened to this message who's never had that defining moment of salvation, that today would be their day of salvation, that they'd call out to you, Jesus, for the forgiveness of their sins, that they would know that they're a new creation. God, I pray for every one of my brothers and sisters. I know what it's like to have some of the new nature and the old nature is whispering in my ear every day. Things I know I need to be done with. And God, I just pray that you'd give us honesty, Give us humility. Pride is so sneaky. Forgive us for thinking we don't have things we need to work on or minimizing the consequences of our sin, justifying, rationalizing things that we know you don't want us to be doing. God, I just pray over every uh, stronghold that the enemy has in each of our lives, whether it's anger or resentment, whether it's lust or greed or gossip or overeating or overspending, all those top 10 things, whatever else it is in each of our lives. We want to see you bring victory in those areas. God, you tell us that you resist the proud, but you give grace to the humble. So right now, we choose to humble ourselves before you. We choose humility before you. We will resist the devil, we'll resist his ideas that these things don't matter, that we can get away with it, that it won't hurt anyone. We're gonna resist those lies. We're gonna submit ourselves to you and we're gonna see you bring victory in our lives and in our families. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.
Well, if today's episode encouraged you or helped you in any way, we would invite you to keep following Jesus with us. We send out a daily video text devotional. You can receive that and you can learn how to gather with us online or in person for our weekend services. All of that is available over at cp.news. That's the letter C, the letter P.news on your phone or desktop or tablet browser. Thanks again for joining us and please join me again next week for the Connection Point Podcast.